0: My name is Sam Silvius. I'm the next-gen pastor here at Pikes Peak Christian Church, Uh, and that means that uh, my primary responsibility is to oversee everything we do to help kids and students from zero to 18 to help them say yes to God. Our our mission statement as a church is helping more people more often say yes to God, and we believe that's true for you all sitting in this seat, and we believe that's true for the two-year-old across the hall and for the middle schooler and for the elementary-age kid and the high schooler, and so um, I have the privilege of helping us to create environments and helping us to do programming uh, where those kids from zero all the way to 18 can say yes to God, just like you'll have the opportunity to do this morning. Now, um, I've been on staff here just over two and a half years, although sometimes it seems a lot longer than that. Sometimes it seems a lot shorter than that, but it's been uh, quite the ride. Um, My wife and I are thrilled to be here. My wife is in the service this morning, sitting right over there. Uh, We have four children at home, uh, amazing kids. Our oldest is 10. Our youngest is four. Um, We have got two in the middle there, and they're all incredible. And and I'm getting to a point with all this, okay? I'm telling you all about my family. Some of you are like, yeah, yeah, we know. We've heard you tell the stories over and over and over again, right? And, And that's because kids really make the best sermon illustrations. That's really what happens. Um, but, but really, um, we, we are blessed more than we could possibly imagine. I love my job. I love that I get to be a part of this church. My wife gets to stay home with our kids, which she loves most of the time. I mean, that's fair, right? Right? she loves most of the time, and our kids are amazing. Um, We've got uh, just amazing children. Yesterday, or two days ago, rather, uh, my son William, he's six years old, uh, and he's on the autism spectrum, in case um, you didn't know that. He's got some special needs, but but we caught him um, in his sister's bedroom playing the piano, and he had figured out, on his own, without any instruction, um, within about five minutes, he had figured out how to play the tune, Jesus Loves Me. That's amazing that I get to watch that. My kids are incredible. They're unbelievable. My daughter, who's 10, she comes with me every Sunday morning at 7 o'clock in the morning when I get here uh, to help set up the computers, the check-in computers for the kids over there. So my kids are amazing. I've got two uh, really pretty great cars. We've got a great house. We have a great life. And even with all of that, I find myself on occasion... Going, something's missing. I need something else. I I, I deserve more than this. And I find myself saying this to myself. And I find myself going, man, there's something that I don't have. There's something that I need that's not being met. There's some kind of thing that i got to get a hold of. And I can't quite figure out what it is. And I would guess that you've probably felt the same way. At some point, you've looked around and said, hey man, I have a great job, I have a great family, but you know, there's something just not right. So, uh, you know, my job's okay, but I think maybe I'm going to look for a different one. Not because there's anything wrong with this one, but because there's just something not quite right. Or, or this one, this is uh, one of my favorites, man, this happens to me every time somebody buys a new car. Every time somebody I know gets a new car, I go, you know, I need a new car. <laughs> I really think that God would want me to have something a little bit faster and probably with, like, Wi-Fi built in, right? They do that now, so I need that, right? I deserve to have that, and I find myself all the time going, man, there's something that I miss, and I bet that you're the same way, that on occasion, that throughout your life, there are these moments where you say, something is just, it's not quite there. Something's just missing, and we start to look for what that missing thing is, but it never quite satisfies, right? Right? And so, uh, I, as I was thinking about this concept, I thought, you know, a great way to illustrate this is through uh, the idea of a puzzle. Now, now, uh, as an adult, I don't do puzzles a lot, but my daughter loves puzzles, and, and quite honestly, my wife loves puzzles. And so, this weekend, we decided that we would sit down and do a puzzle together. It's not done, but we're still married, so that's good. Uh, So, we were doing this puzzle together, and we're working on it, and and I kind of realized, as we're working on this puzzle, man, that that you find these, as you're working on it, you find these spaces in the puzzle where you know there's a piece that's supposed to go there, but you can't quite figure out which one it is. You got all the pieces laid out, and you're going, is it this one, is it this one, is it this one? And so, after a while, what you do is you pick up the box, and you go, okay, it's in this area, and there's like this little line on it, and there's like this color, so now let me look for that piece, And, and that helps you to find the piece, and So I think that maybe this morning we can take a clue from putting together a puzzle and saying, uh, instead of looking for the missing piece just randomly, trying every piece that we can find to make it fit, we should look at the box. Look at the design and say, hey, is there something in the design that would give us a clue as to what's missing? And so if you have a Bible, you can turn to the book of Genesis. We're going to be looking, uh, we'll put it up on the screen too, so if you don't have a Bible, don't worry about it. If you don't want to get I'm um, really uh, kind of flipping through the pages. If you want to just focus on your notes, that's totally cool. Um, they'll be up on the screen. But we're going to look at Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. And I think uh, parts of all three of those chapters. And I think that by doing that, we're kind of going to get a good look at the box, at the design, and, and try to understand a little bit about how God has made us, how God has created us, and see if that can't give us a clue as to what this missing thing is. And so um, Genesis chapter one, uh, we're gonna start there. Now before we jump into this, what I need to tell you about Genesis is that Genesis um, is the revelation that God gave to um, Moses and he wrote it all down. Moses wasn't there when God created the earth, but God told him about it and he wrote it down. And so the part of Genesis that we're looking at is really um, what God told Moses about how God created the world. Now I know for some of you, it's gonna be really difficult to believe that God created the earth in seven days. It's gonna be really hard for you to get your mind Around the idea that, that God just spoke and these things happen. But, but I don't want you to get hung up on it this morning. It, it's okay if you can't quite get your head around that yet. It's okay. That's a hard thing to believe. I get that. It's hard to reconcile that understanding of what Scripture says about seven days with what science is trying to say about evolution. It's difficult. But, but don't get bogged down in the details this morning. Let's just look for the principle behind the thing. Because, because whether or not God created the earth in seven days is, is a little bit irrelevant to this creation, to this. Um, conversation what what really matters is that God allowed humans to come into being that he created us and that he has a purpose for us and so that's just look through it through that lens this morning so we can find the principle here and not get bogged down kind of hung up in the details okay alright so Genesis chapter one here's what it says we're going to start off in verse 26 then God said let us make mankind in our image now God had already made all the other things and he said let us make mankind in our image in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and, and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. And so we find right here in Genesis chapter 1 verses 26 and 27 that God creates man in his image, that we bear the image of God on the earth. That we are a sorts of ambassadors and that we represent who God is inside of creation. That we are here and with that representation come certain rights and privileges. That because we are human, because we are in God's likeness, because we bear his image, there are rights and privileges that come with that. That we get to rule Right? We were made in his image so that we may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the wild animals, all the domesticated animals. And there's not an animal in existence that, that I know of, that I'm aware of, that we have not exercised authority over. Right? There's not an animal that we, that we know about that we can't capture. There's very few animals that we know about that we can't train. There's not an animal that we haven't exercised our authority over. And that's the right and privilege of being a human. Now there's other things that we've exercised authority over too. Chemicals. We've taken chemicals and broken them down and put them back together and made drugs. Sometimes drugs that are very helpful. Sometimes drugs that are very harmful. But we can exercise authority over the chemical world. We can also exercise authority over the material world. We take copper and other rare metals and all of these other elements and we put them together in these big machines that we've created and we put them all together and we get these amazing things called big screen TVs, (laughs) right? And, And we get that because we've exercised our rights and privileges, our authority over the created world to manipulate those things and to create those things, right? And it's amazing. We love that. We love the rights and privileges. But that's only one side of the story, That's only one aspect of the picture. If we flip over to Genesis 2, we find a slightly different perspective, starting in verse 15. The Lord took the man that he'd created, and he put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will certainly die. Now, there's a slightly different angle in this version, in this, in this perspective, when we get to Genesis 2, there's a slightly different story here. Now, not only do we have rights and privileges from Genesis chapter 1, but in this instant, it says that God took the man and put him in the garden to work it and take care of it. So there's a command here. There's a responsibility to serve God, to serve his creation to do what he's asked us to do. There's a role that we're supposed to fill in that. And not only is there a role that we're supposed to fill in serving, but God has also put rules and boundaries around the rights and privileges by saying you can eat from any tree in the garden except for this one. This one right here you can't eat from. And so there's, there's this idea here that, that we have both rights and privileges and a command to serve and submit. So if we look at the whole of the box, the whole of Genesis, the whole of the creation story here, we get this idea that, that we are uniquely created in the world with two things, both rights and privileges and a command to serve and submit. Now we love rights and privileges, don't we? We love that we get to exercise those things, man. I love that I get to have a smartphone. Like, I love this thing, man. Maybe a little too much sometimes, right? But I love that I get to do that. I love that my dog has to listen to me and not the other way around, right? I mean, that would be a nightmare. But I love that. We love these rights and privileges. And and we don't always love the servants of men. And that's what gets us into trouble. And and it's what got Eve into trouble in the very beginning. And so if we look at Genesis chapter 3, we find here's how the story unfolds, that there's a serpent in the garden, and he was more crafty than any of the wild animals. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now what's he doing right here? He's questioning rights and privileges. He's He's saying, hey, did God really tell you you don't get to do that? How dare he? I can't believe that he would say you can't get to eat from these trees, right? And he's twisting it, and he's making it into a lie, and he's, he's making Eve feel, he's trying to make Eve feel like she has, like she's been violated, like she's lost something that she deserves, right? And, and Eve responds well at first, and she says, uh, no, he didn't say that. God said, you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, but we get to eat everything else. We can't eat from this one, and we can't touch it, or we will die. And then going on, here's what happens. The serpent says, you won't certainly die, The serpent says to the woman, no, you won't. There's no consequence. God's just trying to hold it back from you. He just doesn't want you to have this amazing thing. He just knows that if you do this, you're going to be more like God than he is. Right? Those are the lies, right? And we read it, right? You will not certainly die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So this is the lie that Satan came to Eve with in the very beginning. And it's the same lie that he come to us with. And Eve fell for it. And she said, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Now, so they took the fruit and they ate it. They bought the light. And we do the same thing all the time. Because, see, if, if Eve had remembered in that moment that it's not about rights and privileges, but it's about serve and submit, then she could have said, Nope, you know what? I'm going to trust God with this one. Because God said that I'm supposed to serve him and that I'm supposed to submit to him and this is the one thing that I can't do, that I can't go after this one thing. But that's not what happened. And and it's really not Eve's fault. Any of us would have done the same thing because we are hardwired to get, I mean, sin comes into our lives and we go after rights and privileges all the time. All the time we seek rights and privileges. See, the problem is that we become focused on the rights and privileges and ignore the commands to serve and submit. That's typically what happens and that's what gets us in trouble is that we become focused on the rights and privileges and we ignore the commands to serve and submit and that gets us into trouble all the time. And, and I do it in my home. And here's, a, here's an example of how this plays out at home for me sometimes. Um, my wife is an amazing baker. Like probably the best baker in the church. I'm just saying. Amazing. And so my wife will, on occasion, make some cakes or um, some pie, right? Oh, cherry pie. Mm. She'll make these amazing desserts, and for whatever reason, I have it in my head that because I'm the man, or because I'm the dad, or the husband, or, or because I pay the bills, or whatever excuse I want to give, right? But, but for whatever reason, I have it in my head that my right, that my privilege in that position is to always get the last piece, right? It's a right and privilege, Right? That I exercise on a regular basis. But is it really? I mean, really? I I didn't make the pie. I didn't make the cake. What says that I get to have it? And here's what can happen is I can actually, in exercising that right and privilege, instead of serving my children or my guests, it it becomes a focus for me. And I focus on my right and my privilege, and I say, no, Grace, my 10-year-old daughter who's amazing, you can't have a piece of pie because Daddy needs two. I'm glad you think it's funny, but it's kind of true. Because when we get focused on the rights and privileges, they take over our focus. They take over. And and pie or cake is is a little bit of a silly example, but it can happen in all of these other areas of life, and it becomes very, very dangerous when we focus solely on rights and privileges, right? And, And here's another example. Maybe in your job you feel like you're not getting recognized enough, or, or you're not being respected enough, or your ideas aren't valued enough, or, or you're not getting enough stage time. That never happens to me, by the way, P- Pastor Darren, who's sitting right there. Um, no, I'm, I'm just, but I'm saying, right, we get focused on the I deserve, I deserve, I deserve. And what it happens is that our focus becomes on what we're not getting, and on the rights and privileges that we think we deserve, and we miss out on what's happening around us, and we miss out on the blessing, and we miss out on the joy that it is to be in that place that God has us in that moment, right? And it's not just work. I mean, I told you about my car issue already, and I believe that I'm not the only one because isn't it funny how at work, like not here at the church, but, but before I worked here, it'd be like one person would get a new car and then like over the next three months, there's like six or seven new cars in the parking lot, right? Didn't that happen, right? And what happens like two months later? Everybody regrets the payment, right? And they're going, oh, I have buyer's remorse. It's so terrible that, I, and I have buyer's remorse when I eat two pieces of pie, right? If not that night, the next morning for sure, Right? And so, but this is what happens. I man. we get focused on these rights and privileges and we go after the rights and privileges and it becomes very dangerous. And it can become so dangerous in our relationships with our spouses. I deserve to be treated better like, than this. I deserve to have this thing. I deserve to have my spouse do this for me. And that is a dangerous, dangerous place to be when we become focused on rights and privileges, Right? And really, what the issue is is it's it's our pride, right? It's it's our own pride welling up, saying I deserve this thing. That's really what it is. It's saying I'm I'm proud, not not I'm proud of what I've done or proud of who I am, but it's saying I deserve this. That's what pride really is. It's saying I deserve something that I don't really deserve. But I think that I do, for whatever reason. And, and it was really interesting. I, I'm reading this book by Jim Collins. It's called How the Mighty Fall. And he's studying all of these companies that used to be great and amazing, but have fallen uh, kind of into ruin. And so Motorola is an example. Like everybody back in the day, I mean, when I first got a cell phone, Motorola was the phone to have, right? Everybody wanted a Motorola. And now, man, I mean, now, that's what I plan on giving my kid, right, is a Motorola flip phone. I'm just saying, right? But but they've kind of fallen from greatness. And, and so Jim has, has studied all these companies and found and, and tried to find patterns and tried to find reasons to say why have these companies fallen from greatness? Why have they fallen away? And you know what's really interesting? In every instance, the first step, the first stage before falling from greatness is pride. In every instance, pride comes before the fall and it is a dangerous dangerous place for us to be in a place of pride in a place of saying i deserve i should get i should have why isn't this happening to me that is a very very dangerous place for us to be so what's the cure so how do we get away from it man because it's hardwired into us like i can't help but feeling like that's my piece of pie So how do we fix that? How do we get away from that? Well, I think the answer is right there in Genesis 2. Instead of focusing on the rights and privileges, we focus on the responsibility and the command to serve and submit. And isn't this what Jesus told us to do, right? And didn't he promise that it would be better for us to do it his way? Because here's the temptation, right? We go after it. We go after the rights and privileges. And it may satisfy for the night if it's pie, or it may satisfy for a couple weeks or a couple months if it's a new car, or it might satisfy for a year or two if it's a new job. I'm not saying anything about my job. <laughs> Sorry, that just kind of happened. That's not what I'm saying, but, but, but it might satisfy for a while. It fills the space for a while. It fills the thing that's missing for a while, but eventually you realize that it didn't actually do it. And you're left more empty and wanting more and more distraught than you were before. So what's the answer? And that's not what Jesus promised us, right? That's not what Jesus promised. What he promised in, in Matthew, uh, I think it's chapter 11. Yep, I was right. Matthew 11, verse 28. Here's what he says. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus says, follow me, and I'm promising you rest. Not I'm promising you that you're going to be missing out. Not I'm promising that you that you're, you're not going to get the things that you need or the things that you deserve. He says, follow me, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Doesn't rest for your soul sound good? Man, I mean, think back to a time when you felt like something was missing and you had that anxiousness. And, and if you're like me, man, you get so focused on the thing that's missing that, that you can't help but process through every possible um, scenario and try to come up with the best way to fix it. And I get so overwhelmed thinking about what could be and about what should be and about what's not. And, and Jesus says, that's not what I promised you, man. I promised you rest for your soul promise you rest for your soul but how do we get that right where does that come from the answer you're not going to like it all right i'm just telling you up front because shortly after that if we fast forward in jesus ministry over to the book of luke and we look at luke chapter nine this is what he said to the disciples whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me for whoever wants to save their life will lose it but whoever loses their life for me will save it. So see, the answer to what's missing, the answer to the question of how do I find rest for my soul, the answer of of what do I do about this thing, the answer is to fully surrender to God. To fully surrender. That's what he says. He says there's there's no shorter payment. There's no payment plan. What he says is that, that you have to give up your life. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. If you want to find your life, if you're trying to save your life, you're going to lose it. But If you come after me, and you give your life to me, and you surrender your life for me, you will find it. And friends, that is the place. That place of complete surrender. That place of complete submission. That is the place where we find rest for our souls. And where we find the thing that's missing. And the peace comes into place we find this this satisfaction in knowing Jesus. And we say, God, I can't, I I can't, I can't trust you with my life. I I can't give it to you. I, I don't know if I can trust you with it. But really, how could you not trust God? The God who sent his only son to die in your place because he loved you so much that he said, hey, you are separated from me for eternity because you have sinned. Scripture tells us that all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's perfect standard. None of us is perfect. None of us has kept the standard. We deserve to be separated from God. You want to talk about rights and privileges? We deserve separation from God for eternity. That's what we deserve. That's the privilege that we've earned because of our sin. But God said, I don't think so. And he sent his son to step in and to serve on our behalf and to go to the cross for us and to die in our place so that we could know Christ, so that we could know God, so that we could have a relationship with him and find rest for our souls. And friends, I'm telling you, a God who would do that, you could trust him. And when he says, if you want to find your life, lay it down, you can trust him. And here's what happens. It's not an overnight thing. The piece doesn't fit into place immediately. Here's what actually happens it, it's, it's similar to what happened to me on Wednesday. As I was preparing this message for you all, I was at my usual spot at Chick fil A at seven in the morning. <clears throat> you laugh, but before all of you show up for lunch, it's a great place to sit and think. I'm just saying. And I was eating my spicy chicken breakfast burrito, which is amazing. And I was having my frosted coffee, which I love. Rights and privileges, right? And I was thinking about this sermon. And God kind of showed me this idea of the puzzle piece that's missing. And he gave me that concept to say, hey, here's what I think it is. I think it's like this. I think our lives are like this little piece that's missing. And it's not really a big gaping hole, but it's just an annoyance that goes on and on and on and on. And I said, yeah, it is like that. And he said, so what are you going to do about it? And I said, I don't know. Tell me. I'll write it down. I'll tell them. And he said, hey, I want you to go to the mountains. And I'm like, no, you were about to tell me to answer. He's like, go to the mountain. So I said, yes. I said, okay, God, I'll go to the mountain. So I drove up Cheyenne Canyon Park to this place that that God had given me, just an image of this place. And I pulled off to the sides just below Helen Hunt Falls and and walked over. And there's these picnic tables in this area and all these pine trees. and, And I'm walking around and I'm praying. And I'm like, okay, God, I'm here. What is it that you want to tell me? What do you want to show me? I'm here. Speak to me and he's telling me a few things and I'm writing down notes and I'm thinking about it and as I'm standing there praying and as as I'm searching for how to explain how we find this piece I walk over to this giant pine tree and there's these roots going out in kind of a V and I look down and as I look down in the litter of the tree I look down and I see this a puzzle piece y'all I'm not making this up man the piece is right here I mean it was right here I said God what does this mean and he said you find the peace by saying yes over and over and over and over when I say go don't ask why say yes when I say serve don't ask why say yes when I say give don't ask why say yes and if you will say yes to God if you will trust him if you will put your faith in him then the peace will come And you will find the rest that he promised. The rest for your soul. And you will find the thing that's missing.